Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Scott Luton and Greg White with you right here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Gregory, how are we doing? I'm doing quite well, thank you. In the lovely city of Kansas City today. City of Kansas City. Today. <laughs> what, so uh, what time will you be back in uh, hashtag Supply Chain City, Atlanta, GA? So I'm only bouncing in Atlanta and then going on to the Gulf Coast to watch it rain for a week, right? Um, nice. But I get back, back to Atlanta 7-ish, 7.30-ish. And then okay. I'm going to get to eat some Popeyes at the airport. <laughs> There's nothing better than that, is there? Destin, so. <laughs> All right. Well, safe travels. Enjoy those travels. You, of course, Thank you had a big Chiefs win over the Cleveland Browns over the weekend, but we'll have to save that post-game analysis for another day, huh? Yeah. Uh, another day when I've got my voice back. <laughs> the loudest fans in football lived up it was loud. To, their, to their title. Yeah. That's right. I, I tuned in fourth quarter some of that, and uh, yeah. you could just about make out the football game was getting played, but there was no hearing of the audibles. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So today, it's all about supply chain buzz, right, where we bring you some of the leading stories, topics, leaders that have to be on your radar uh, across global industry. And today, we've got a special guest joining us in about 15 minutes or so, and a repeat guest at that. Yeah. As Mark Morley with OpenText, Greg, is back by popular demand, huh? Yes. No longer can we say the biggest company you've never heard of because by now so many people have heard of them. But basically the backbone of digital commerce, this company. So it's really cool what they're doing. And, and Agreed. I looked at the diagram of what he's going to share about the topic that's I'm not, that I'm not going to release too early. <laughs> um, it's very cool. Very cool. And very timely, you know, considering everything going on in, in supply chain and commerce right now. That's right. Agreed. So some of the topics we're going to be talking about with Mark, uh, ethical sourcing, right, which is one of the issues of our age, of, of this day. Mm -hmm. um, and then secondly, you know, we all hear a ton about supply chain control towers. And I bet there's some of y'all out there that may not know what those are and how they and how they work. I'm certainly not the expert in control towers. So he'll be speaking on those two topics and a lot more starting here about 1215, 1220. So y'all stick with us. Um, okay, so Greg, we got a slew of folks we got to say hello to in yeah. just a minute. But let's let's knock out some uh, announcements really quick. And you know, we're really careful here at Supply Chain Now to not toot our own horn. You know, a big part of our MO and our culture mm -hmm. is you know, loving on the guests, loving on the topics, loving on the community, loving on the folks that show up, and and certainly those key messages. However, we've got to share a little bit of a um uh, of an announcement that we were informed yeah, of last week. Gotta share it. It would be unfair not to share it. Yes, it would be unfair. And 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 really, this is this is um, attributed to all of y'all out there. We really appreciate. Uh, y'all being with us through this journey and listening and engaging and sharing your thoughts. So the news here 
is Greg, how many podcasts do you think are out there in the, um, uh, the, the podcast sphere? Millions. I mean, I know just two years ago, it was over 800,000 and approaching a million. So yeah, there's, it's gotta be over 2 million by now. I would guess everybody has a podcast, don't they? That's right. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. That's a very democratic, beautiful thing. However, to that end, there's two point, there's over 2.65 million podcasts out there. Um, now, what's cool about this, so so Listen Notes, our friends at Listen Notes, y'all check them out. You can find a lot of new podcasts across different genres and uh, connect with those folks at listennotes.com. But they're a third party, uh, third party third party that uh, tracks all these podcasts out there, whether there's five episodes or you know over 700. And uh, they have deemed, uh, according to their research and their data, that Supply Chain Now is in the top 1% in terms of listenership and popularity out of all podcasts, not just supply chain podcasts, out of all podcasts. Now, Greg, as proud as we are that here uh, about that here at Supply Chain Now, sure. I would say for the industry and for the profession, for the craft, for the people, the technologies, for what supply chain, what global supply chain is doing, especially during these challenging times, this is a good thing and means it's, it, it's one of those latest signals that, that supply chain is resonating with the global populace. Is that, would you agree? Yeah, I think it, yeah, I was thinking that exact same thing, Scott. It, it speaks to supply chain, its popularity. It's frankly, it's early in, you know, in commerce today. So um, it makes good sense that, you know, that, that s- supply chain is a hot topic, right? It's good to be at the top of that list too. That's fantastic. So I think that goes a lot to what, you and have done for years kind of transitioning from you know educational workers to radio to techno you know to podcasts and and you know and live streams and um you know and video you know like youtube and that sort of thing so it's incredible how first of all how technology has evolved to allow us to do this and secondly That's right how the craft has evolved and that people actually care about not just knowing what supply chain is, but knowing more about how to make it better. Well said, very well said. So thank you to all of y'all that tune in with us, whether it's live streams, whether it's our, our daily podcast or any of our other shows, of course, that have their own feeds, including Tequila Sunrise, but uh, y'all, um, the community out there is why we do it and you know, wouldn't trade our community for any folks out there. It's one of the sharpest, savviest uh, folks that uh, uh, bring a ton of creativity, innovation, ideas to uh, to the table. Yeah. So thank you so much. Okay, enough about that. Let's talk about, uh, so one of the things we're going to be talking about here with Mark Morley is this big event tomorrow, Connection, the Open Text Connection Summit 2021. So it's, Greg, it's produced by CEO, um, sorry, CIO, Let's never never get those wrong. Produced by CIO, it's uh, sponsored by Open Text, but of course we're collaborating with Open Text team, uh, Open Text team once again for this free event, free virtual event tomorrow. And Greg, we're going to be talking about supply chain resilience, but in a really meaningful way. Right. You you uh, you buckled up, ready to go? I'm ready. Let's do this. Yeah, I'm, I think it's one of the top things we need to speak more about is agility and resilience in the supply chain. Right? We've realized that we can't predict everything. And I think that we leaned on two things for too long. And that is trying to predict everything and trying to reduce costs 
on everything, right? At, at least as a primary focus. So obviously cost is a concern, but this agility and resilience is what is demanded by the consumers to make sure that they get the goods they want. Agreed. All right. So folks, again, it's free to join us. Uh, it kicks off tomorrow morning, uh, Eastern time. Hey, uh, Amanda, let's uh, drop that link, make it really easy for folks to join us tomorrow. Uh, and uh, folks, you're not going to miss it. Real conversation, real takes, not lip service on just how we can uh, we can break past this disruption that continues to come at us and really bake a lot more healthy, practical, and successful resilience into your global supply chains. Okay. And Kavan is saying, resilience, one more time. <laughs> yes, we've all heard it uh, a million times, or, or maybe 2.65 million times. But Yeah, that's right. It, it's, it's one of the biggest questions of, of the day, for sure. Okay. So real quick, I'm going to hit these. So next week, we've got Flow 2021. Greg and I will be opening each of the days and closing each of the days, as well as leading a couple of panels. I've got one panel here. I'll tell you, uh, Doug Stevens, Kara Ashby, Jim Barnes, and Nabil Malawli uh, talking about customer experience and how that's transforming. It's a not-miss panel. So Flow 2021 next week, and you can register there uh, on the uh, link be, be the show notes. Uh, October 5th, Greg, I think you perhaps traveled with someone from Verison over the weekend. May have. We've, got, <laughs> we've got a big event coming up, the State of the Supply Chain Report. More talk about building resiliency yep. into your supply network. Also free to join uh, 12 noon on October 5th. You can uh, check out the link in the show notes because we want to make it really easy. Join us for that. Okay, one final thought here before we say hello to folks, uh, before we bring on our, our outstanding guest is, I came across, so Jennifer Hudson, Greg, turned 40 years old yesterday. That's and hard she's to got, believe, isn't it? I mean, it? Man, it is hard to believe. Yeah. We've been watching Jennifer Hudson since she won or came in top two or three on American Idol. She was really was. good. Yeah, I know. I remember that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Amanda, you have to correct me if uh, uh, Miss Hudson here won or came in top couple. Um, well, you, you just let people know that she's 40. So if, <laughs> so she may she may correct you if she, if you got it wrong. Maybe so. Maybe she's so. ready to throw well, down she, on you already. I'm sure. <laughs> well, remarkable talent. She's one of everybody's favorites. Right. So uh, she's got a big project. It may already be out there, uh, but one we're looking forward to watching where she plays. You know, Aretha Franklin, mm -hmm. the one and only, right? She anointed Jennifer Hudson as the actress that uh, Aretha Aretha wanted her to play. And uh, in, in the, any 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 big Hollywood biopic, once Aretha Franklin passed, so she was anointed by the Queen of Soul. So uh, that movie is going to be released. I think it might already be out. I'm not sure, Greg. But regardless, I love this comment from Jennifer and I went back and looked at some of her old old interviews. You know, there's mm -hmm. all kinds of obstacles and barriers to success, but don't let your own self-doubt be one of those. And Greg, I know you can speak to this. I can I can hear you preaching already. <laughs> give me give me give me what what's between your ears when you hear this right it's here. It's funny that you say this because we were talking about this at the game, believe it or not. I was there with Paul Noble, as you said, an entrepreneur himself, the CEO of Verison, and, and a couple of investors. And actually, this was on the way back from the game. Um, we were talking about some other uh, entrepreneurs, and, and we talked a lot about doubt getting into your mind. And 
you know, I, I go back to my great uncle who ran a family farm in Western Kansas. And the thing that he said, not precisely to this point, but the thing that he said that has always resonated with me is do something if you do it wrong. And self-doubt keeps you from doing something. And even if you're wrong, right? We talk about it's okay to fail. It's okay to make mistakes all the time, right? right? Um, but man, you're the only person who believes in you as much as you do, so, as, as anyone can. So um, you got to believe in yourself. Agreed. Agreed. Well, man, there's an episode right there and what you just shared. So we'll have to circle back <laughs> one day on that. Um, but as I'm getting corrected here, so Jennifer Hudson finished seventh in American Idol in 2004. So really talk about a talent. Um, okay. And so Greg. 2004. Yeah. Can you believe that? Well, it may have been the last time I watched American Idol. I'm not even <laughs> sure when it started. Is it still on? It is still on in a different okay. different network, and it's been, of course, tweaked a bit. Um, so that was no a long time. Simon that was just after, Cowell, right? Or is that his yeah, name? No, Simon, Simon Cow, which who was one of the, you know, talk about your hot takes and, and keeping it real, right? Simon Cow did that. His for favorite sure. word, indulgent. Remember that? <laughs> that was indulgent. <laughs> All right, so. Uh, enough fun, Greg. Enough fun. We got to say hello to some folks, and then we've got a great guest, Mark Morley, with Open Text, joining us momentarily. So, buckle up for a fast-paced conversation here today. We'll start with Mohib, who is tuned in, of course, from Wichita. Hope this finds you well, Mohib. Greg, any um anything you want to pass along to your your uh, best friend, Mohib, in Wichita? Yeah. So I've got the he has he sent me a magnet for the 125th anniversary, and I figured out how to affix it to my backpack. So when I'm walking around, everyone can see it. So, okay. you know, go shocks, go shocks. That's right. Uh, of course, Amanda's behind the scenes along with Jada and I'm probably Allie and maybe clay helping to make production happen, right? Engaging all of y'all. So big thanks to, to each of you back there. Kavan. Good morning, afternoon, night. Kavan. Hope this finds you well. I know you've been busy uh, working on your PhD uh, and then some, uh, you know, Greg, if you remember, Kavan is who coined the phrase, at least around here, the new abnormal, right? It's right. been a little while since we I referenced remember, that. I remember him saying that, yeah. Right on time, Clay, a.k.a. Diesel Phillips, is with us. Hello, Clay. The dog. Yeah. The dog. We got too many uh, nicknames for him. <laughs> we need man, another we're... Clay. We need one more. Uh, Ramon, great to see you here today. Greetings from Canada. Let us know what part of Canada you are tuned in from. Appreciate you being here with us. Let's see. Sylvia Judy, Greg. Wow, we haven't heard from her in a while, have we? Good to have her back. Absolutely. I bet she's been busy uh, there in Charleston uh, dealing with the wide world of logistics and ocean shipping, a lot mm -hmm. more, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it's cr crazy in the ports right now as we continually talk about. The only thing we talk about more than resilience is the ports. <laughs> The ports. Um, so on a, on a uh, more serious note with Peter Bole, I hope this finds you well. Um, lost a dear friend, he says, to cancer last Friday. So really hate to hear that, Peter. Uh, it looks like Celebration of Life is this coming Saturday in Toronto. Um, Peter, one of our dear friends and, um, uh, you know, mean, really in a very genuine way, hearts, um, uh, thoughts, and genuine prayers go out to his family and of course his yeah. circle of friends, which includes you. So all the best there and um, look forward to reconnecting with you soon, Peter. All right. So I don't know who this 
uh, LinkedIn user is, Amanda or Clay, if one of y'all could could let me know. But I appreciate this. Uh, that is t- it's it is very rewarding when you put your blood, sweat, tears, hard work, roll up the sleeves, and you know, good work every day. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, to create content and 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 work with great people and learn from great people, and then you know. As if that isn't enough to 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 see that that is consumed and and to get the feedback that we get, um, it, it's one of the best most rewarding aspects to this whole journey. That was Karai Jose. Karai, great to see you yeah. here today, and look forward to reconnecting on you with you soon. Um, all right, David is back with us, of course. David doing big things in the procurement space, right, Greg? Yeah, yeah. So uh, he he just landed. Am I getting that right? Did he just land somewhere new relatively re- recently? Well, let's ask him. Yeah. David, what yeah. are you up to beyond off-roading and, and rebuilding that Jeep each weekend? Well, Let us know what you're up to. I, I dig the new pick, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, Sheldon is with us as well via LinkedIn. Great to see you, Sheldon. Um, let's see here. And Andrew Chen. Andrew, great to see you here. Uh, so, Greg, if if you recall, and I might get this wrong, Andrew, correct me, um, the National Supply Chain Foundation is what Andrew helped to co-found, and they're doing some really cool things to connect um, students that are either in supply chain oh. programs or, or want to learn and network with each other, doing some big things. Andrew, is um, he's uh, wise beyond his years. We interviewed him here, and we look forward to collaborating with him more in the, in the weeks and months ahead. Very cool. So Greg, you got to meet Andrew as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we touched base once or twice. Yeah. Good enough that he's from Michigan. I'll take that. <laughs> Go blue. <laughs> That's right. All right. Great to have you here with this Andrew. Okay. Well, as much as I wish we could catch up, it's been, you know, we had a busy week last week, uh, collaborating with Laura Cesari and the supply chain insights global summit, Greg, and we'll, we'll, wow. we'll have lots of key takeaways there what in, in the day's yeah, that incredibly powerful uh, gathering. We learned what extreme networking is. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, how not to take a fun run lightly, uh, my friends. Ooh. If you're challenged to a fun run, you you better uh, uh, you better bring it that Step day. Up, is that right, Greg? Literally. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Okay. Well, um, so we what we want to do here is we want to bring in our special guest. You're going to uh, love, if you haven't heard, if you've been the th- one of three people not to catch one of Mark's previous appearances with us, then you're in for a treat today. So I want to bring in, with no further ado, Mark Morley, Senior Director of Product Marketing with Open Text. Mark, good afternoon. Good evening, your time. How you doing? Very well, thank you. And great to be back on your show. It's great. Yeah, welcome aboard. And by the way, I just want to say congratulations on your um, top 1% award. Well deserved. And it's been great to be part of that journey. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. You've helped a lot. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> people listen to what you say, Mark. So <laughs> thank you. You're right, Greg. And I'm glad you point that out because yeah. you know, we get, uh, as you might imagine, Mark, we get a lot of feedback on each guest and, and different shows. Certainly, more on others than 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 uh, some of the rest, but uh, we all always on all your appearances. We love the altitude you keep the conversation at, uh, and 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 you know we use this phrase "been there, done that." It's tough to use that phrase in this time that where it's evolving and 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 
there's not always an opportunity to have been there, done that. But um, it, with you, you bring it, you, the experience and expertise, you bring it in spades and, and with a personality. And Mark, that's really important these days. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally agree. Totally agree. So on that last note, so personality. So Greg, we've got a couple of uh, easy to answer, hopefully lightning around questions that we're going to start with Mark Morley. And Thank folks want to hear from you too. Y'all, y'all let us know what your responses are to these questions. So first up, Greg and Mark. Uh, Greg, thanks for helping pronounce me know how to pronounce Roald Dahl. So Roald Dahl, of course, the, the um, former Royal Air Force fighter pilot, intelligence officer, diplomat, but perhaps more what everyone knows about Roald Dahl, famous storyteller and author. So I want to ask you first, Mark, what is your favorite or your family's favorite Dahl story or book? I think from my side, it would have to be Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Um, but unfortunately, my parents would have disagreed at that time because of the huge dentist bills that came after each of that chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Everlasting gobstoppers are hard on the teeth. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but what a great movie. And in yeah. fact, I've got a, a dentist trip in my future this week. So, Mark, thanks for bringing up that painful what's going to be a painful experience, but you're right. Uh, not only was the movie and the book great, the movie great, but then to be able to walk in and buy, you know, Willy Wonka uh, candy, uh, whether they're gobstoppers that ruin your teeth or all kinds of other things. I think nerds, I think, doesn't Willy Wonka make the nerds candy, Greg? I can't remember. I, I, I know that there were a ton of them when the movie first came out, the um, Gene Wilder version back when yes. we were kids. Right. And I think they may have reinvigorated that. I yeah, agree. Because I remember they had something, whatever that bar was that you could get the golden ticket in. They sold that when I was a kid and you could actually get a You might actually get a golden ticket now. Really? You didn't win the whole factory or anything like that. <laughs> I think you got a free candy bar. <laughs> well, Clay and Amanda both are weighing in. So Clay, James and Giant Peach was his. Amanda loved that. Matilda, the BFG. I'm not familiar with that one. The witches, uh, a lot of good stuff there, huh? Is that the giant, big friendly giant? Ah, I think it is the big friendly giant. That's a good one. And Clay, yeah, he's uh, Johnny on the spot with that one. Uh, I think Mr. Fox, the whole Mr. Fox series. And I was doing some reading. Really? The, yeah. One last thought about. I uh, love that. Yes. Uh, is I think Gremlins perhaps started with a concept that that Roald Dahl had. Um, as they talked about, you know, uh, like gr- gremlins, like um, uh, kinking up the aircraft works and whatnot. I'm not sure if that's what spurred the 80s movie gremlins, but we'll, we'll have to get our Crackerjack research team on that. Christopher Taylor or Christopher Trailer says, bar, of course, Wonka that's bar. what it was. Yes. <laughs> and like that big. <laughs> yes. Kora, I think this might be Kora Kose. Nerds are a Wonka product. How about that? Okay. A lot of good stuff there. All right. So, Mark, I want to circle back on a different question, right? The hard-hitting questions, only the hard-hitting questions for the one and only Mark Morley. So today is also Positive Thinking Day, Mark. So um, when you think about kind of protecting that the healthy mindset that we all need to have in these crazy times, what's a, a go-to best practice that you have, Mark? I don't know if it's so much a, a best practice, but in terms of what I do, I, I just like to switch off and just focus on my favorite passion outside of work, which is really motorsport. 
um, and especially Formula One, because I spent a year working for the McLaren Formula right. One team back in 99. And I'm always very passionate about following what they're doing. And it was great. They actually got a one-two yesterday for, I think, the first time in 12 years. Wow. So, so just being able to follow the motorsport, the technology, what goes on behind the scenes, it's just a passion of mine. So I'd forgotten that, Greg. That, that That's one of the things y'all have in common is a love for motorsports and, and automotives, right? Anything with wheels, man. Anything with wheels. And particularly McLaren. I, I, so um, a long time ago, probably before you worked there even, Mark, uh, a fraternity brother of mine who graduated from Wichita State with an aeronautical engineering degree worked for McLaren on aero designs, you know, refining the designs, of course, of, of some of their models. I don't know exactly when it was, but it would have been early 90s, something like that. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, and, and talk about great content. Lots of movies on McLaren and um, auto racing and F1 uh, across Netflix and Hulu and everything else right now. We've enjoyed a well, couple of them. How appropriate to be a McLaren expert in the tech world, which is when everyone, you know, when everyone makes money in the tech world, they go buy a McLaren. <laughs> they never <laughs> drive it, right? But is that what happens? It, it um, is. I've seen Silicon Valley. Haven't you, haven't you watched Silicon Valley? <laughs> you need doors that go like this. <laughs> well, so Peter says he loved Ricardo's race to the first corner. Brilliant race for him and the McLaren team. Is that a recent race That's there? The race yeah, on. is it Monza at the weekend? Yeah. Well, maybe Peter Bolet is also a big fellow oh, F, uh, Formula One. Yeah. Undoubtedly. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe Peter will have to tell us about his uh, his grandmother uh, and 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 some of the speed racing they did together. Peter, you have to resurrect that story. We love that one. Um, okay, so let's get down to business, though, uh, Mark and Greg. Well, Greg, hang on a sec. Well, let's pose the same question to you. So Mark likes to, likes to uh, disconnect and kind of uh, sink into automotive racing and F1 and whatnot. What's your go-to best practice for protecting what's between your ears? Well, it's it's an abundance mentality. You know, I align myself. There's abundance in the universe. This is not nothing. Is a zero sum game, right? And um, if you if you didn't win this thing, there's still an opportunity to win the next thing, whatever. And I had a cool little trick that I did with my daughters when they would go to bed and in their dark room, they'd be afraid. I can't remember how this came about. I think me and my oldest kind of put this together. She was kind of afraid and didn't want to go to sleep. And I said, well, let's think of some good things together. And she said, okay, birthday cakes. I said, okay, ponies <laughs> and Grandpa Charlie. So so whenever they would go to bed and they did, they would like scared, I would say, think of birthday cakes and ponies and Grandpa Charlie. And it worked every single time. I love it. Yeah. It's funny <laughs> how those it. things become very cleansing, right? Yes, agreed. Well, check this out from T-Squared. T-Squared, thanks for holding down the fort for us on YouTube. He says, a best practice from a different world. I think he's talking about the, the sitcom. Relax, relate, and release. I love that. And uh, Peter's also referencing, he. I think it was he and his grandmother were shooting off oh. cross-country on a six, in a 63 Spitfire. Yes, I remember that story. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we got to get down to business. Uh, Mark, I want to talk first about ethical sourcing. I know you've got a, a bunch of thoughts, and then we'll get Greg's take in it first. But before we do, I, I want to um, talk about this story here that came to us from Fortune magazine. Now, folks, I'm a bit slow. We've, all, we've, we've long established that, right? And I'm going to illustrate some of my ignorance here on this story. But um, 
when I think about ethical sourcing, one of the products that immediately comes to my mind is jewelry, gems, uh, diamonds for sure. Um, so I didn't know that lab-grown gems are actually a thing, a current thing. So this article here by Sophie Malore over at Fortune Magazine speaks to how lab-grown gems is one of the big dynamics that's fueling Pandora's, one of the big players there, the Pandora's growth here lately. Uh, in May of this year, just a few months back, Pandora announced that it would completely end the use of mined diamonds. And they were one of the first major jewelers to do just that. Uh, diamonds made in lab, according to this article here, they're evidently made at the same, uh, they create the same level of quality, uh, at least according to the folks at Fortune. And they come uh, at a lesser cost as well. I want to say a third of the cost is, is what the article cites. And of course, they come without the concern of some of the human rights abuses that that plague this industry and and others. So, Greg, I'll start with you. Did you've already? I, I, well, we learned pre-show. You, you're well aware of this lab-grown uh, gem opportunity out there. Tell us more. Yeah. What, what's your take here? I think I think anything that forces the uh, the diamond industry to become more ethical is is you know, it's powerful and, and meaningful and it's about time because there's some, aside from the human rights issue, there are some dirty little secrets in the, in the diamond industry. And one is that diamonds are not rare mm. and they're only expensive because a certain organization, a family basically that owns essentially the market on diamonds forces the price higher. So, um, it, you know, there there's a lot wrong with that industry. And and I've seen some of these stones. They're incredibly high quality. They don't have the inclusions, which are the little frailties, leftover coal or leftover, yeah, coal, right? Um, bits that, that didn't I'll go age, with it. age under the proper pressure that creates the little uh, nicks in the diamond itself. So they are perfect. Um, and the process they go through is incredible. The pressurization of, of whatever it is they use as a core, I assume it's coal also. It's, it's pretty impressive. It simulates whatever it is, $4 billion, 4 billion years, sorry, worth of pressure to actually create the diamond. Well, so I'm getting an education, a certification in uh, diamonds. I had no idea of a lot of what you just shared there, but Mark, I want to circle back to you. Uh, your take on gla uh, lab-grown diamonds? Do you do you like how they're uh, bypassing some of the the big challenges out there? I, th I certainly I read, actually read this story I think about three weeks ago when it first started to hit the news wires, and I started to get to think about well, would people prefer those inclusions in there because it makes the diamonds more unique? Whereas if you're growing lab diamonds, everyone's going to be identical. And then how do you price them? Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. You've got a similar price point for every diamond, effectively, irrespective of the you know the carrots. So I think I think it's an interesting area to watch and also whether it's going to impact other jewelry items that gets produced in the future. Agreed. And and, and what I gotta get this comment in really quick, Greg. James says, why didn't Greg wear any bling for this segment? Greg <laughs> Yeah, I got a little bling there. Uh, and also, really quick, Christopher Trailer says, going to Greg's earlier point, they control the supply, which drives the pricing. So um, no shortage of topics here. But, Greg, you're about to add something to Mark's comment. Yeah, and I forgot it now. Um, sorry, <laughs> My guys. Bad. My bad. No, 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 it's okay. Um, 
I think it was around, um, no, I don't know. I've lost it now. Sorry. I'll come back to it. I'll raise my (laughs) hand. (laughs) What we want to do, uh, yeah, far beyond. And, and, and I guess first off to be, um, to be transparent here or to, or to be upfront, there are concerns related to, um, uh, carbon and carbon output from lab grown diamonds. Now I'm not an expert in that. It was a quick, as we are prepping for this story, uh, I saw some um, some concerns around that. So, but you know, if we if there's a way that we can address the labor issues, right, and the ethical sourcing issues, and then offset that carbon, you know, who knows? Maybe we can get our cake and eat it too. But well, that might is, be there is a way to address that, and that's the same way we encourage people whenever and any ill ill deeds are being done, and that is vote with your wallet. Ultimately, right. to Mark's point. Sorry, now I got it. Ultimately, okay. to Mark's point, um, the question will be, will consumers buy lab-created diamonds? They buy other gems that are lab-created in in great mass. Emeralds and rubies and sapphires are are very popular in terms of um, in terms of uh, lab-grown because they are actually somewhat rare. Right. But um, that's going to be the ultimate question is, will we buy lab created diamonds? And mm. that's the, that's the top and the bottom line, the beginning and the end. Right. So great point. Great point. So, so in the, in the beyond just jewelry, Mark, when we talk about a big topic, when, you know, one of the challenges of our time, which is ethical sourcing, what, what are some of your thoughts in this area? Yes, yeah, it's, it's certainly a, an interesting area for procurement teams and so much so that we decided to do a um, global survey recently and the the results of that are going to be published at the end of this month but we wanted to try and find out what's actually driving those responses you know where's the interest coming from and through some of the comments we've seen already in um, this discussion you know it's definitely consumer driven consumers want to know where are those diamonds coming from where are the parts coming from that go into the products that are being manufactured at the car plants, for example, but even the ingredients going into food products, they want to know, and they need to know from the manufacturers, what's the provenance of everything that's going into those products that are being manufactured. And the survey that we conducted um, sort of confirmed there is a, an increasing consumer interest, um, even before COVID versus after, which I think is interesting. Maybe that's because people spent a lot more time online buying goods. Right. From Amazon, etc. Yeah, I think you're right. During that COVID period, but it's not—it's something that's not going to go away. And I think it's a wake-up call as well for supply chain and procurement teams. That consumers, you need to listen to the consumer and publish that information about where those goods are coming from. Mm. Well said, Greg. I think you're. I think it's. I, I love the United. I can't believe I'm going to say this, Scott. I love the United States government take on this, and that is to presume that there, there are bad deeds and bad acts being done unless it is proven that they are not. For instance, you cannot enter and observe a De Beers facility when they are mining diamonds, hmm. right? And and for what reason, other than, you know, other than some of the maybe proprietary technology, would you not be able to, especially if you were to say, I specifically want to see how you're treating your workers, which most anyone, anyone can do without revealing proprietary knowledge right Mm. um so i i just think consumers should assume that unless a company is transparent as adidas has been they were 
you know, they were contributing to slavery in Xinjiang province. They pulled out. They made an announcement about it. They've been de decompanyized or whatever in China because of it. They paid the price. And I think if unless companies show that level of transparency, you should just assume you, you don't necessarily need an affirmation of bad deeds. Right. You can assume bad deeds if they are not, in fact, transparent. And I think, Mark, I think we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but you guys have a facility, a, a tool set that allows people to understand even the pro, not just provenance and sustainability, but also human rights, all of those kind of issues around products in their supply chain. And, and I was just going to say, I mean, you raised a great point about, um, I guess, North American supply chains, but it's since 2014 when Obama introduced the conflict-free sourcing initiative. And since then, you know, I'd say many of the North American companies are actually ahead of the rest of the world in terms of that, that kind of procurement. Yeah. Because they have to report every year to the SEC and prove where they're sourcing their materials from. Mm. And it's only, I think, up until now that Germany this year are actually implementing a similar process and one of the first EU countries to do so. Mm. So I think it's interesting that the US took the lead at that time and now it's been spread around the world to various other countries. Yeah, great point. Great point. Uh, so much to dive into here. I want to share a couple of comments from our audience. Uh, Sheldon says, it's consumer behavior that drives firm strategies. Right now, it's all about sustainability. But what happens when consumer behavior tends trends back to exclusivity associated with natural diamonds? To, to Mark's point, that I mean, that's exactly the point. At some point, you know, some people probably never will be able to get away from that exclusivity, but many will. I mean, Pandora is not, you know, Pandora is not, it's more of a, I don't want to say costume jewelry, but it's more of a, I can't remember what they call it, but it's not like the top brand in jewelry. So they play to a certain audience, and that is a huge audience, and I think that's a good thing. If the vast majority of people are out there buying conflict-free minerals and, mm. and, and jewels, that's a huge impact. Because otherwise, they would have to go, if they wanted, they'd have to go buy natural diamonds. You know, in, in our household, uh, I, I got to tell you, it's a bit of a non-factor. It's been a little while since we bought diamonds here, uh, much to Amanda's chagrin, perhaps. But, uh, but you know, Greg, <laughs> it is, um, you know, there are going to be, uh, I think, great companies, of course, know their their consumer market and their base and their, their target market. And, and who knows, for, for those bigger players, you know, if that trend does become more, you know, a lot more demand on natural diamonds. We'll have to find a different way to address these these really heinous challenges that are out there when it comes to uh, workforce issues. Uh, well, I just want to very quickly jump on that comment around blockchain. Yeah, um, because that is the you know it's the here and now use case for blockchain, as far as I'm concerned, knowing the provenance where those goods are come from. And one of the use cases I've been using relating to conflict minerals is sourcing gold that goes into gold connectors that gets fitted to a wire harness that goes into a car. What happens if there's a fire on that vehicle and the wire harness is found to be at fault and it's the substandard gold that's fitted to the wire harnesses? You've got complete traceability and prominence of where the minerals will come from for that particular right. part of the vehicle. Mm. That's a great point. Excellent points. Mark, one of my favorite things about your appearances, Greg, we've talked about, is those examples that kind of brings it to something anyone can relate to. Uh, so keep the story. You know, Mark, who, who knows? You and Roald Dahl could probably both tell a lot of great stories. Um, I want to bring <laughs> Marky. 
Marky in the manufacturing. No, there sorry. you go. go Mark Morley in the manufacturing facility. So, so Mark was referencing this great comment from Ohib where he talks about we definitely need blockchain uh, certification to uh, differential natural and lab growth diamonds. There goes the price up and beyond my forever love again. Uh, let's see, Devere, I'm going to go with. Uh, Devere, if I got your name wrong, let oh us boy. know. We like to get it right. He says, a brilliant movie based on the diamond industry is Blood Diamond. Incredible movie that explores the human and humanitarian cost of the diamond industry. Yeah. Excellent point. Um, okay. So, and a I great, keep... great South African accent by, um, oh my God, I forgot who it is. Who's the star? He does a great job. He's an American actor. Does a pretty good <laughs> South African accent. Let's see. I think we've got it. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. That's right. Amanda and Clay, quick, quick on the trigger there. I love that. Okay. Yeah. Um, we got a ton of comments. As soon as I opened my mouth, they knew I was going to make a mistake, so they started researching. <laughs> All right. And and hey, gosh, we never get this. Uh, we never hear this, but we got it right. So thank you for that confirmation. I really appreciate that. And thanks for your your uh, being a part of our live stream today. Okay. I want to keep moving for the sake of time here. I know Mark, you got a thousand things cooking. Um, I want to talk about one of the technologies out there that more and more companies are leaning on to help navigate through all of the disruption that's out there, and that is supply chain control towers. So what I think what we're going to do, Greg uh, and Mark, is we're going to kind of walk through from defining what control towers are to uh, a, a concept of how they operate to, I'd say, Mark has been has been um, peaking on some other things we've been we've been working on, and Mark has has brought a concept for supply chain twenty thirty that would incorporate a little bit of uh, virtual reality, and, and that would be the third item we tackle. But Mark, um, just for setting the table before we get into the definition, how are you seeing uh, control towers uh, leaned on by organizations out in industry? So I think today it directly links even with the topic we just discussed around provenance and knowing uh, the location of goods. And literally just in the last week, I've had two large automotive manufacturers, car manufacturers, reach out to us um, requesting what can you do around supply chain control towers or how can you help? And the reason for that is the chip shortages. You know, manufacturers need to be able to better predict where the chips are in the supply chain so that their production is not interrupted in at any state. So... I guess you could fill in the dots after tower of dot, dot, dot. But, you know, the one that we've been looking at is sort of tower of power, that ability to aggregate information into one place that people can uh, visualize and leverage depending on their role in the business. So, um, Greg, your follow-up yeah, comment. Leverage. I love when he, when he speaks <laughs> actual English. I love that. <laughs> no, I think that's, I mean, that's really key is, look, it control towers like, many other words in supply chain, they are at great risk of becoming cliche. And, um, and and Laura addressed this last week, right? She called it the tower of stupidity, the exact opposite of what Mark is talking about. But right. her point there, Laura Cesare, sorry, in her conference, her point there was that people take inappropriate data, they analyze it in inappropriate and amateurish ways, and they don't get the result out of a control tower that they should. And um, you know, there is an incredible, we're in a very unique time. There is a, an incredible wealth of data there. It's incredibly broad and complex and unstructured as 
we love to talk about. That makes us feel really important when you say unstructured data, doesn't it, Mark? Um, and and it needs to be it needs to be turned into something useful and then presented appropriately and then used correctly as well. So that's really where that tower of power concept really hits home is assuring that the data is structured and presented, analyzed, and and even produces recommendations that a user can um, interact with the technology or with the other humans. So uh, that's there's a ton of power there. You just have to do it the right way. You're, so you're saying that tower of power is is hundreds of stories tall. Is that right? Yeah. Um, so let's. So Mark, um, we want to continue level setting with kind of a, a definition, or at least maybe how Gartner defines a control tower. Is that right? And we want to go ahead and, and move there. You want me to show the visual? Okay. So walk us through this, if you would, Mark. Yeah, so this is a slide I pulled together for a conference that actually we both presented at and revolved uh, two weeks ago at SAPEX. Oh, SAPEX, yeah. And that's a South Africa supply chain conference, and that's Johannesburg uh, Control Tower, Airport Control Tower on the right. <laughs> so I was tailoring the presentation. Um, but essentially what companies need to do is be able to sense, you know, get the real-time information flows be able to analyze and drive insights, be able to predict what's likely to happen based on that incoming information, being able to resolve potential problem problems or shortages in the supply chain, um, being able to execute, so being able to continuously learn, sense, and respond, and learn, you know, moving forwards. What happens in the future if this situation arises again? What historic information have we got that we can draw on to plug the gaps and solve those supply chain issues? Mm. I think, you know, it's funny, the predict aspect of it, not to gloss over the rest of it, but the word prescript, prescription really leaps out at me because that's, to me, that's one of the key things that's critical, Mark, is that we don't just present the data and say, hey, here's where you stand with the wealth of data that you're talking about here and that companies have these days. Technology can actually assist in the decision making, right, and actually present a potential solution, this solve, right? Pretend, present an actual solution to the user who then, with the knowledge they have that is outside of the, what the data presents, then they can participate in the in the solving and execution aspect of this. That's a, that's a really solid model. I like that. So moving from definition Let's 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 dive a little deeper into kind of how it works. And so, Mark, I think we've got another visual teed up here. Uh, so, so walk us through these these various pillars and layers. Yeah. So we've got two definitions. Let's consider this one as the 2021 definition, and the next slide we'll talk about 2030 and where things potentially could go. So at the top in the control tower itself, you've got different users across the business, whether it's business users, technical users, partner users. Now, before they can get access to information in the enterprise, we need to be able to secure their access to that information. And that's what we refer to as identity and access management. We're able to make sure they get access to the right information at the right time based on their role in the business. Now, when they do get access, they can get access to, for example, the AI machine learning platform. This is providing you the insights, what's going to happen next. You've got the data harmonization, you know, this aggregation of data within the data lake all of the information flowing across the supply chain and being able to draw those insights. Um, being able to orchestrate, define workflows of who's got to review information at the right time. Shipment visibility, I don't need to say anything there about IoT and the value there around sensor-based shipment visibility. 
but also being able to collaborate with your supply chain on the right-hand side there uh, with the trading partners. Now, all of this information being underpinned with uh, data coming from a business network of some uh, description. Um, the kind of data I'm thinking of there are the transactions, the purchase orders, the invoices. You know, where's my stuff? That's the kind of information that populates this. And then externally, you've got all the external feeds, uh, weather information, traffic information, you know, what's happening to my goods as they move through the supply chain. So being able to aggregate information this way, I certainly believe provides that tower of power um, and visibility. And I, I would say this is the kind of 2021 view as we're at it at, at the moment in time, this moment in time. Okay. So Greg, there's a lot going on there. However, we're also uh, we're not doing small things in supply chain, right? So right. what are some of the things you heard uh, Mark speak to that folks should really be paying attention to? Yeah, the identity access management, one, hits a security button, right? You only get you only get access if you have authority. And two, it saves a lot of us practitioners from the boss getting in and, and meddling in the data and screwing everything up. Because it's a role management vehicle, I think, Mark, right? Where you can say, hey, the boss can see and look, but can't touch, which is perfect because then you don't, <laughs> I know there are a lot of people out there who have experienced this. They go in and mess with the dials and switches and then something goes wrong and they blame you for it. Um, but that's just, and that's just one <laughs> fun example. But there, I mean, there are appropriate levels of information. For instance, as you include your suppliers in this, Right. You want them to be able to see only their information, only their data. They don't see their competitors data or other vendors or, or consumer data. And you can limit them to what is valuable and necessary for them. And then this I don't know that I'm going to call that Royal Blue as a Royals fan, that Royal Blue B2B application and data integration layer. To me, that is critical to the success of these things, because below that is ERPs and TMSs and all those other technologies. Um, and data sources that create this jumble of data that I was talking about before. And I think the real, there's one particular benefit I've been, I was talking about this weekend, believe it or not, and that is people are going to cease to replace their ERPs because an ERP is what it's really good at. It's really good at transaction data, financial things, and managing masses of data. What it's not good at is some of these specialty capabilities that that the supply chain requires but you in the past in the 90s and the early 2000s we would replace oracle with sap or vice versa to try and get some of that capability and spend tens or hundreds of millions of dollars and instead what what mark is proposing is to put a data layer on top of that to collect and assimilate and pre prepare and present all of that data without having to change and strip out a hundred or five hundred million dollars worth of technology so that's critical and that's going to be really game-changing for companies that are you know saddled with these old erp systems in particular so mark uh feel free to address any of that i've got one more question for you before we move on uh in, anything you want to add to to greg's POV there, Mark? No, completely agree, 100%. Okay. Hey, we got the, the, the Your easiest, mistake, Mark. Yeah, <laughs> easiest, <laughs> easiest interview ever. Hey, Mark, question for you. Uh, when I, uh, as, as I know this is a high level uh, aspect of how control towers work and, and all the layering and integration and whatnot, speak to implementation for a minute. 
you know, how, what have you seen? How, how easy, how difficult, um, you know, what, what are some things you're seeing when it comes to implementing this? Yeah. I mean, the key thing here, I mean, we've talked about a lot of technologies just on the, this one slide that companies would have to embrace, but the most important layer is the one that Greg highlighted the Royal blue layer at the bottom, because if your information moving across the enterprise or the supply chain is not digitized, you can't take it into AI and machine learning. You can't drive those insights of what's gone wrong, what's likely to happen in the future. So getting that end-to-end digital supply chain is job number one for anyone. Because once they have that, they then have the visibility of what's going on. They can then pull in the other data feeds and get those insights through this kind of control tower concept. Mm. All right. So I've got a couple of questions here in comments I want to pose to you. So first one starting with uh, Christopher Trailer. And he says, does this work with an existing ERP or does it work independently? Mark, any comments there? Yeah, so ERP was listed as one of the sources of information feeding the control tower, but it could be any could be any enterprise system. It doesn't have to be ERP. It could be a transport management system, uh, warehouse management system, any enterprise system that's producing data that could be feed into this control tower and would benefit different users. That's really what we're talking about here. If they've already got a data layer on top of that ERP, you can you read from that as to uh, two? I I assume potentially yes, because we have APIs on our network that allows right. us to go into that data lake or their data lake and pull the data out. Mm. Okay. All right. I got a couple of comments. I'm gonna move to this to this view so that we can get them in here. Sheldon says uh, sounds really good. He thinks the only thing left to do is to remove that social side of the strategy, i.e., self interest, self promotion, personal incentives. Once we can align the whole organization, we should be able to use control towers for purpose. I love that. Uh, Mark, any comments? That's an area I haven't really considered, but it's certainly a, you know, looking at self-promotion and how people are leveraging information, maybe for their own gain across the business. Mm. Um, certainly an interesting aspect, which I hadn't even considered before, but it's something I'm certainly <laughs> going to be taking a look at. That's for sure. Yeah, it's funny because when you talk about transparency, I think about data hoarders. People in the past, I've, I know them, I could name them, but I won't, um, <laughs> who have hoarded that data to protect or promote their own self-interest or their even their job. And, um, you know, in this world of transparency, that's going to be harder and harder to do, and the value will be much easier to extract for the enterprise. But, but even the data silos that exist between the finance team and the procurement team, for example, right. just integrating those systems together and sharing it around the business, that's a, you know, that's a challenge that many companies face. Yeah, Agreed. No doubt. Okay, uh, we're gonna we're gonna. Are you ready to move on to kind of that supply chain twenty thirty look? Okay, let's do that. Um, here we are. All right. So, Mark, what are we seeing here? So, let me do a, a two minute recap of the or one minute recap of this slide. So, we've progressed on to twenty thirty. This is actually a topic I looked at way back in ninety two as part of my master's degree in virtual reality. So, because supply chains have reached the top table, the boardroom, we've got a physical environment of a conference table, uh, conference room you see on screen. What I've done here is actually overlay 3D graphics that you may be able to view through a Microsoft HoloLens, for example. So with HoloLens, you can actually combine 3D graphics with a real-world environment uh, and be able to leverage information in a different way. So what you're seeing on the table here is a virtual representation of the supply chain. On the left-hand side, you've got the factories, you've got the corporate HQ. On the right-hand side, you've got a uh, 3D representation of the suppliers. The little documents that you see flowing in between are documents that are actually flowing across our network. So we have these transactions, the purchase orders, the um, 
advanced ship notices, and that basically notifies a company when the parts are coming into the factory, but also, more importantly, the invoices. You know, when are the suppliers getting paid? So being able to use HoloLens to be able to touch one of those transactions, like the purchase order, and see a virtual representation of that purchase order in front of you. But what happens if there's a you know a tornado that's going to rip through Texas? How's that going to impact my supply chain? Which suppliers are likely to get impacted? And can we dual source and bring in another supplier really quickly? The interesting aspect I like about this is running what-if scenarios. So if I wanted to add in two further suppliers to this scenario that you see on the screen and run a simulation of my supply chain, that's where things get really interesting. And I think with you know all of these discussions around resilience, visibility, provenance, I think this for me is sort of the holy grail in terms of where I think things could go in the future. And I know, Greg, we're talking pre-show about you looking at exactly the same thing uh, a few yeah. years ago. Yeah, I think this is this is a great way to do it. It's there are movies which I cannot name, but you know where you can like touch the things and and move them around, and and that changes the operation right of whatever it is you're doing. In their case, I'm sure it was something warlike or space like. But just imagine being able to resource one of these 850s, the the purchase order to supplier one. Because, or to supplier two because supplier three got hit by a tornado, which I think is what some some crisis has befallen them, right? So um, it allows you to it allows you to do this in real time. It's funny, Mark. We were talking with uh, Kevin Jackson last week about uh, interoperability. So more than just integration, right? Integration is the data data part. But as you said, these silos between different organizations internally and externally need to come down and this is the kind of thing that could create that direct interoperability where everyone is looking at the entire picture or even just their portion of the picture and watching as the changes or proposed changes are made that would be incredibly valuable and cut a tremendous amount of time and frankly it would be a heck of a lot more fun than the way we do it today <laughs> right um so yeah i love i love this vision this is fantastic and I hope you got a good grade on this. <laughs> I got so I got to ask a question. So you're, I love how you wove in the Johannesburg control tower at the airport in that previous slide. You got to tell us, Mark, what what city are we looking across here? I knew you were going to ask that question because that building <laughs> on the left there is quite uh, distinguished. But I, I honestly don't know. It's an image I I picked up somewhere, but uh, I should know, but I don't. That's okay. I love it. Uh, I love the uh, the visual factor here. So, okay. So, what we want to do, lastly, and we may go over a couple minutes. That's okay. Mark, are you okay to stick with us for a couple more minutes? Okay. Um, if you like what you're hearing in this conversation, we've got a big event tomorrow. Which, you know, Greg, we've talked about this a thousand times. You know, companies like Open Text and and of course CIO here and and along with uh, collaboration with Supply Chain now. You know, creating these learning and networking and exchange uh, opportunities virtually, and they make it free for folks to sign up and participate and engage. There's a ton of value there, and 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 one of the things we've admired uh, organizations doing these last 18 months. But uh, Greg, speak to that a bit if you would. Mark Morley will be present. What more do you need to know? <laughs> no, I mean I think look, we're we're talking about a world that is it's not it's not more. There, it's not more disruption. It's not even new disruptions. There aren't really any new disruptions. By the way, ships have gotten stuck in the Suez Canal before 2020. Or was that this year? I don't even remember. 
Um, but now those disruptions are in the forefront of our minds. And more importantly, as supply chain practitioners, those disruptions are in the forefront of the C-suite and the consumer's minds. So we have to be that much better. We asked for a seat at the table. We asked for more visibility. We asked for more uh, recognition, and we're getting it. So now we have to start to perform at a level that that um, warrants that recognition. And that's what this is really all about, is the tools, the techniques, the mindset that Mark clearly has that we need to take on to really perform at the level we're expected to. You know, now we used to kind of be able to sit back and laugh when it when a company did their quarterly report if they were public, right? They would always talk about sales and and marketing. Now they talk about supply chain, so we can't hide in the shadows anymore. We are not just simply infrastructure. People realize that sales happen or don't happen because of supply chain. So that this kind of information, the kind of what Mark has just teased us with here, is yep. really powerful in elevating our performance, our knowledge of supply chain pros. I love that. I love that because there is no hiding, no more hiding. Uh, but Mark, speaking about Connection 2021, which kicks off tomorrow, tell us about uh, just kind of fill in, fill in the dots. What is it and what was the Open Text team why for doing it? So the main reason for doing it is to raise the awareness of the importance of business integration. Um, you know, throughout this whole discussion today, we've been talking about you know, provenance and digital supply chains. But unless you have all of those systems and trading partners integrated in the supply chain, you're not going to get the value that you need. So right. we have got a number of large companies uh, involved with, with the event tomorrow. Corp, the CIO of Lear Corporation, huge in automotive, key supplier to GM and other companies. Uh, Godiva. So going full circle to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory earlier on. Um, No reason for getting there, but they've got a really interesting uh, story around uh, their perception on the importance of ERP integration. Um, And then Nestle, to sort of round off the day, I've sort of described it as uh, Business Network 2025, but we've already advanced that by five years just in this conversation. So it's going to be interesting seeing where we can go. Yeah. Um, But yeah, the rationale is really to emphasize the importance of integration because without it many cios are not going to achieve those digital transformation initiatives that they need to grow their business mm. it's candy cars all at connections 2021 uh, let's see how much many more c's we can fit in there but all right so you've kind of talked about what it is um let's make sure and well you've also spoke about some of the companies what what uh we're on a panel tomorrow what, what are you looking most forward to uh, that specific aspect of the discussion, Mark? I think the panel is going to be interesting because we've got um, the lead analyst from IDC, who's got great depth knowledge of the space that we serve from an integration perspective. But he's also, Simon Ellis is the VP of supply chain research at um, IDC as well. Then we've got the, the head of engineering here at OpenText, who's a bit of a visionary. Um, but he's the one that actually says what we can and can't do with the technology and what we build as a, as a company here at OpenText. And then myself sort of providing, the, I guess, a bit more color around the edges um, in terms of where we think um, companies are going to go in the future. I know there's a comment earlier about resilience being one of those words, um, you know, a bit like, you know, where we're going next, uh, the new normal. Um, but it is a fact, you know, companies are going to have to increase resilience, whether they like it or not. And that's certainly a theme of this particular event. Excellent point. And, and you know, Greg, um, 
while resilience has become a cliche, and we have you know we have a lot of fun with that kind of stuff, whether it's that or blockchain or um, you name it, right? There's no shortage of cliches in the industry, but they're cliches because of how important they are and how companies are very me- are deliberately and meaningfully trying to find a resilient strategy that actually works, where it's not just lip service. So, Greg, speak to that for a second. We can only consider it a cliche if you're really just kind of looking at it from the fringe. If you're really embedded in it, things like digital transformation, resilience, agility, supply chain optimization, all of those things, integration, interoperability, all of those things are very real to you. So, you know, it seems cliche if you're a reporter or a fringe observer or something like that. But the truth is, every one of those cliches exists because it's actually getting done. And it actually is having an impact and it's actually really important. So, you know, I think it's funny as you were talking, Mark, I, I thought we keep talking about new normal, man, we've, we've nailed them all. I'm just going to go ahead. And, I'm just going to go ahead and say it pivot and unprecedented. Okay. Now, flashback to 2021. Right. But if you think about it, it's really the new disruption. You know, if you think about it, there's no, there's not going to normal is going to be disruption. I mean, it, it, it is, it always has been in this, in the supply chain practice anyway, right? Because if it's going normal, nobody even notices. Uh, I mean, it's, I think um, I've talked to several folks. I think uh, Andrew Paul Nobles, CTO at Verison said, the best supply chains are the ones that don't make the news. Right. Excellent point. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Sheldon says, I love what's taking place. It's like using connected strategies and applying them to commercial relationships. Fantastic stuff. Appreciate that, Sheldon. And Peter, I think you're talking about a second registration page. I think uh, there's a lot of GDPR compliance that that is required with any event and especially, um, especially the, you know, free events, of course. So, uh, but keep the feedback coming. We love our feedback is a blessing as we like to say around here, Mark and Greg. And I think I stole that shamelessly from Phil Ideson over at Art of Procurement. Hope you're doing well, Phil. Okay. Mark, big event teed up. Um, I think this is our second or third event uh, with our friends Open Text. Um, have enjoyed my, you know, keeping it real, that real factor. Uh, Mark, you mentioned that you're there to kind of offer, a, in your words, a bit of color commentary. Mark, oh no, you bring it in dump truck loads, my friend. And that's what we <laughs> that's love right. about Mark Morley. Um, okay. Right. So one final thing, and folks, thanks for sticking with us here as we've gone a few minutes over. Too much to tackle on this Monday, September 13th. Mark, uh, how can folks connect with you and the OpenText team in case they cannot make the event tomorrow? So if you want to reach out to me directly via LinkedIn, it's probably the quickest way, or via email, which can be provided in the chat directly afterwards. Uh, To to be honest, that's probably the easiest way. Um, And if there are any problems with registrations, please let me know, and I'll uh, accelerate those through and uh, trying to help as much as I can. Well, we appreciate that. Appreciate uh, what you and and the Open Techs and, of course, CIO organization is doing. Looking forward to a successful event tomorrow and and some new conversations uh, that will offer new ideas, uh, practical ideas that that actually work uh, in today's ever-changing global business environment. Greg, I'll give you the last take, the last thought with Mark Morley before we bid him adieu and close it out. Uh, well, this is a particular area of passion for me, which Mark knows from, because I've talked about this, because I've always, the last of the big solutions that I built and, and marketed to the industry was around integrating, inter, in, in, yeah, let's just say integrating um, 
demand, consumer demand all the way up to production. And we are now in an age, this is what really has me excited, is we're now in an age where that transparency is is available, right? To know whether someone is doing good deeds, to know whether someone is doing it, their work sustainably and um, and whether you're getting product, right? We talk about provenance, one of my favorite words, but whether you're getting the product you're paying for. And um, that, aside from all of the real-time data that Mark was talking about, creates efficiency and resiliency and um, agility in the supply chain that we really have to have today because of the consumer and and uh, enterprise demand. So uh, I love this topic. I was thinking about this as as we were kind of going through the model, Mark, of how you take the data that you're presenting and that you all are are pu- pulling together and, and how you broadcast that or bring it together. I'm not sure what you're doing, which I would be doing, but how I could use that data to help solve some of those problems that exist in the supply chain and do so much, much more rapidly, mm. right? From from just data to action and prescription, that word prescription, you know, Mark, stuck in, in my head. So, <laughs> Well, uh, going back to your earlier point, it's kind of like, um, uh, let's see here, George, who who, um, who produces Star Wars? George Lucas. Um, Lucas, right. So, you know, George Lucas, There, from what I have uh, read, he started with a certain point in the whole Star Wars um, uh, script, you know, storyline because of the t- technology that existed at the time for special effects and whatnot. So, Greg, to your point, all these things that we've been waiting for and waiting to act on for so long, the technology is finally here to actually act on and do it and execute and 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 create opportunity for both for practitioners and, of course, uh, bottom line results for consumers. So, a lot more on that. And many of these topics tomorrow. Be sure to join us at Connection 2021. Okay, so Mark, uh, I tell you, we fit Mark Morley and George Lucas into the same sentence. Um, that's a win there for sure. Mark, really love your uh, yeah, appearances you. with us, and we look forward to reconnecting with you tomorrow. We've been talking with Mark Morley, Senior Director of Product Marketing with Open Text. Thanks so much, Mark. Thanks, guys. Take care. All right. Folks, we told y'all you are in for a treat when Mark Morley joins us. I think that was probably his uh, fifth or sixth appearance, Greg. Yeah. Um, but who's counting? Uh, always Mr. Consistency, uh, maybe a new nickname for Mark. I don't know. Greg, your take. I just think that what they're doing at Open Text is really important to give us all of these things that we as consumers are or should be demanding. And I think that the... Um, Ability to do that without spending hundreds of millions of dollars, meaning having to replace your ERP system, or even if you're a small company, hundreds of thousands of dollars. I think that is democratizing transparency throughout the supply chain by enabling everyone to do it in a relatively affordable fashion. So that's that's so powerful and really necessary for what we're trying to accomplish in supply chain. And we love that trend, too. Uh, democratization is a wonderful, welcome trend taking place. Uh, in a meaningful fashion across global business. Lisa Jennings says, this was terrific. Thank you. Well, Lisa, we appreciate that instant feedback. Yeah. Uh, Kavan feedback says, is a blessing. <laughs> uh, Kavan says, data should become high quality before being leveraged. Greg, I'm sure you got a comment there. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's part of the solution that, that Mark was 
presenting was the assembly. I think I can't remember the term he used, but basically the assembly and uh, um, you know cleansing is not necessarily the right word. Sometimes it is, and sometimes it's not. But anyway, making data useful is is a critical part of that. Power of power. Power of power. Harmonization. I think it was one of those terms there. Uh, Sheldon says, great stuff. Love it when we can see a concept through someone else's eyes. That almost sounds like a 1980s song that I cannot think of right now, Sheldon. Maybe the one where the, the guy's holding the, the boom box over his head uh, in your say eyes. anything. Insane. Maybe. Maybe. Is that it? That's the movie. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We got to think of the song. I'm sure Amanda, uh, well... In Your Eyes by Peter Gabriel. I knew it was right there. But Sheldon, I appreciate you being here with us today and all the, the POV you dropped into the comments here. Uh, let's see. I want to share uh, Mohib. Thanks for your comments here. He says, really thought-provoking session today. Hey, if you get Mohib's thoughts going, who who I know at least for me, uh, he is several uh, pay grade levels above me when it comes Indeed. to uh, technology and supply you. chain. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> all of us, frankly. Yeah, That's right. So great to have you with us here today. And great to have everybody. I know we couldn't hit everyone's comments today, but um, big thanks to, again, Amanda and Jada and Clay and uh, Allie, all behind the scenes, helping today's production take place. Big thanks to the one and only Mark Morley and the Open Text team. Folks, uh, it is a wonderful thing to see organizations create opportunities to learn and to network and exchange and, and to be heard uh, with events like you're going to, you're going to be a part of tomorrow. So join us at connections 2021 and Greg, your last thought before we sign off here today. Wow. The last thought that comes immediately to my mind has nothing to do with supply chain go chiefs, but um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the panel that, that you're going to see tomorrow is going to be really valuable as as Sheldon said, it's always good to see it through someone else's eyes, and you're going to see a whole slew of new eyes tomorrow. A slew of them. A slew of them. And I think that's S-L-E-W. It is. If we're spelling that right. Indeed. Um, Thank you. <laughs> all right. Kelly so Barner can tell us. Kelly Barner will definitely tell us. Um, and by the way, folks, uh, tune in for a special live stream this Thursday at 12 in Eastern time as Kevin L. Jackson and Kelly Barner. It's the Kelly and Kevin show, Ooh, uh, nice. and and they're they're assembling the guests now. But but uh, you're in, uh, in for a treat this Thursday at twelve noon. Okay, so on behalf of our entire team here, hey folks, come out and join us tomorrow. First off, uh, secondly, make sure you connect with Mark Morley. Uh, he's a great person to follow on Twitter and uh, connect with on LinkedIn. But most importantly, if you hear anything here today, hey, do good, give forward. Be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.